right. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you guys for choosing to come spend your weekend uh, here with us. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I want to say welcome to everybody in Waukesha here, uh, watching online or at Pewaukee. We are glad you're here. It has been a fun weekend uh, for River Glen. We've had Trunk or Treat uh, this weekend, uh, and it's been a blast. I hope you guys were able to make it out to that. I got a picture of my wife and I at Trunk or Treat. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, Yeah. She was pulling off the 80s look. I think I was just kind of scaring kids away. They weren't really sure what was going on with the tights and shorts. But uh, it was a fun. It was a fun weekend. Um, We had a lot of fun. I hope you guys were able to make it. But I'm excited to be with you guys this weekend. My name is Garrett. I'm one of the pastors here at River Glen. I primarily work with students, uh, but occasionally I get asked to uh, come hang out with you guys on the weekend. And uh, I'm excited for this message. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We are continuing our series, Battle Ready. Battle Ready. What we've been doing over the last few weeks is going through the book of Ephesians, which is a letter written by a dude named Paul to the church of Ephesus. And each week we're looking at different characteristics or traits or qualities that we've been given from God because of God to prepare us for the battles ahead in life. First week we looked at I'm chosen, how we are are God's chosen. And then last week we talked about how I'm strong, how God has given us strength to to go into battle. And this week we're going to be talking about I'm alive. I'm alive. Alive, which is a pretty fitting uh, topic for the Halloween theme, right? I'm alive, death, and life. That's what we're going to be talking about, um, and I'm excited. So just to make sure to kind of check what's going on in the room, why don't you just let the person next to you know that you're alive, all right? Let them know, hey, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm happy to be in church this weekend. Go ahead, let them know. That's typically not something that we should have to clarify, Right? That's like kind of a given, and I hope it's a given right now because I wouldn't really know what to do in this situation. But that's something that we typically, we know, right? We, we know. But I had a scare a few months ago where I was a little unsure in a situation. And so I was waiting to get picked up for work from uh, our middle school pastor, Isaac. We carpool occasionally, and I had left my car at church the night before. And so he was going to pick me up at 8.15, okay? Now, I know Isaac, and when he says 8.15, he'll pick me up at 8.15. What he means is he'll leave his place at 8.15, okay? But that's the latest, like nothing later than that, okay? So 8.15 rolls around, nothing, haven't heard back. 8.30, nothing. 8.45, nothing. By this point, I'm like, bro, I got to get to work. So Morgan, one of our worship pastors, he picked me up, and he brought me to work. 9 o'clock, nothing. 9.30, Haven't heard anything. And now I'm kind of starting to freak out. And the whole office is like, all right, what's going on here? Isaac isn't like this. And so then I go to a meeting at 10 o'clock that he was supposed to be at. But it's fine. We're not going to talk about that. But I go to this meeting. And I'm sitting there. And the whole time I can think about it, I'm like, dude, what is going on? And I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking the worst, right? So it's like 10.30, 10.45. I'm like, I got to go. So I get my car because it was at the church. And I'm leaving. And I'm like thinking all these things, right? It's just getting dark and scary in my, in my head. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to name my firstborn child Isaac, boy or girl. I don't care. I'm going to have to get number 10, his soccer jersey tattooed on me. I don't know. I, I love him. I, I, what, what happened? And I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to bust through this door. So I'm getting my strength ready. I got to check on him, right? Fortunately, for the door's sake, we were good. I didn't have to bust it down. Uh, but I got into the house, right? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm freaking out. Okay, and I'm expecting the worst, right? I'm like, okay, maybe he choked on some granola making breakfast. That'd be the typical Isaac move. So I peek in, kitchen, empty. To my right, living room, good. 
I peek into the bedroom over to the left, and I come around, and there's Isaac. Knocked out of sleep, out cold, just not even remotely awake. And I go, Isaac? Isaac? And he slowly sits up, sigh of relief, right? And he looks at me, just confused as all heck, hair everywhere. And he's like, hey, what time is it? Why are you in my house? And then I had to explain to my very drowsy friend that I thought he was dead, all right? And that I was freaking out. Now, I don't tell you this story uh, to embarrass myself or to embarrass, embarrass Isaac, maybe a little bit. But I tell you this story because that's typically not something that, like, we've got to figure out, okay, dead, alive, what's the deal here? We kind of know, right? In the Bible, there's a lot of talk about death and life and, and, and what's going on here, what's he talking about, is, is, this, is this literal death? But a lot of the times, what authors are talking about in the Bible is a spiritual death. They're talking about an eternal death or eternal life or, or are we dead inside? And so what we're going to be looking at is this topic of life and of death through Ephesians chapter 2. And what Paul does in this section of scripture that we're going to be in is he splits it up into three parts. The first part, he talks about, right, God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, and he saved us through that act. He saved us. And so, so Paul breaks it down to what he saved us from, what he has saved us for, and what he saved us by. So that's what we're going to do uh, this weekend. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians with me. If not, we got it on the screen. You can just follow right along. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And the first point for this morning, if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. Saved from death. Saved from death. We've been saved from death. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. And you were dead. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." What Paul does here is at the very top, he lists two types of wrongdoings, sin and trespasses. And those are two separate things. Sin uh, is, is unintentional. Sin happens because we're imperfect, we're flawed people. The, the, the word that's used there is hamartia. And hamartia was actually an archery term to describe missing the mark. So you shoot the arrow, right? You make nine out of ten. At some point, you've missed the mark. And that's what we do. Because of our sin, because of uh, us being sinful, imperfect, flawed people. At some point, we're going to miss the mark, right? We may have a goal, right? Hey, I'm not going to lose a temper with my kids, or, or I'm not going to cuss in traffic, or, or I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to get up and read my Bible and, 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 and work out and, and take care of my body, right? Those are our intentions, but at times, we're going to fall short of that, right? We're going to fall short unintentionally because we're flawed. That's sin, the second one is trespasses, and trespasses is an intentional act. It's, it's, it's deliberate. Uh, it, it's in the word itself, trespass, right? You see the do not pass sign, and you, you, you pass it anyway, right? We, we, we know what we shouldn't do, but our selfish desire, our, our, our own nature kicks in. It's like, ah, oh, I want to do that, right? So we do it anyway. 
unintentional and intentional, sin and trespasses. And we're guilty of both. Paul also says, right, that we were walking a course of the world. He then says that we were sons of disobedience, that we were living out of the passions and desires of our flesh and not of, not of him. And then he goes on to say that we are children of wrath. Whew, encouraging message this morning, guys. Hey, who's feeling good, right? You are children of wrath and disobedience, <laughs> feeling good this weekend, right? You're like, geez, dude, this is positive. Is this what you're teaching our kids, that they're children of wrath? Sometimes, maybe. No, they're not, I promise. But you're not going to find this, right, on a mug in Hobby Lobby, okay? This isn't the verse that you're going to have on the mug. It's not that encouraging. And I'm all about the good news, right? This doesn't really sound like good news. But the gospel of Jesus is good news. So, so, so why are we spending so much time on this? Because I think... While I believe, yes, the good news of Jesus, grace, love, let's talk about that. That's the most important thing. So often we brush by the, the sin part. We brush by our part. And we've got to recognize this part. We've got to recognize the weight of our sin. We've got to come to terms with, hey, hey, this is where I'm at. We've got to recognize, hey, this is how bad I am. We've got to recognize the weight of our sin. Have you ever stepped on the scale and you're like shocked at what you see? Not in a good way. You like step on it, right? And it's just like, okay, uh, I ate a salad this week. That should be showing up somewhere in there. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's the socks, right? Let's take the socks off. Try that again. I need a haircut. That'll take a few pounds off, right? You know what, honey? It's broke. We need a new one. Batteries, they're, they're done for. This scale, this ain't it, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't like that number. I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to go for a little walk come back, try again tomorrow, right? We don't like what's on the scale. Some of us got to come to terms with what's on the scale. And I'm not talking about your, your health journey. I'm talking about your faith journey. I'm talking about your spiritual life. Some of us got to recognize, hey, this is, this is how bad and how messed up and how sinful I am. Why? Not, not to feel shame and not to feel, feel bad for yourself and look at yourself as a terrible person, but because when we can understand how bad we were, it gives us a greater appreciation for how good God is. Man, I'm terrible. Man, I'm disloyal. Man, I'm not committed. Man, I can't follow through with this. But hey, God can. Hey, God's loving. Hey, God's patient. Hey, God's loyal. God's committed to you. God cares. God sent his son regardless of what you got going on. But we got to recognize that. Because when we recognize the depth of our sin, it gives us a greater understanding of the depth of God's love for us. We got to know how bad we were to recognize, man, Jesus really did save me. Man, Jesus really did step in. And, and, and he's so good that I'm, I, don't, I don't feel that bad, right, about how bad I am. That's right, the little saying, right, the windshield is, is bigger than the rearview mirror because what's ahead of us is greater than what's behind us. Now that you will find on a mug at Hobby Lobby, right? That's Pinterest, tweeted out, whatever. But that's true. Right, we've got to recognize, hey, this is where I've been. I shouldn't have made it through that. I, 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 I wasn't sure where I was headed in life. But God stepped in, right, and, and, he, and he changed things. And, and this is where I'm headed now. And we can look forward trusting, hey, hey, God had better plans. God, God is, is greater than how bad I am. How great he is is, is is more powerful than how bad I could possibly be. This is why we got to recognize and spend some time talking about our sin. We've been saved from death. 
Which leads into our second point for this weekend, which is we've been saved for life. Number two, if you're taking notes, that's saved for life. Continuing on in Ephesians 2, picking up in verse 4, it says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The first two words in that passage are the most important words you'll ever hear in your life. But God. But God. A drowning in debt, but God. Are you lost in a, in a sinful habit that you can't break? But God. Are you, are you buried in, in shame and, and self-loathing and, and hatred? But God. Do you feel lost? But God. Do you feel anxious? But God. Should you have not made it out of, of, of where you came from? But God, are you frustrated? Are you stuck? Are you lonely? Are you afraid of the future? Are you hurt? Are you nervous? Are you, are you a wreck? But God, he's not just standing on the sidelines watching, saying, go for it. Let's see what happens. He's stepping in and he's intervening himself into your story. And he's saying, hey, you were headed this way, but let's make a shift. Let's make a change. Let's go this way. I got better plans for you. I know, I know you shouldn't have made it out of that. I know your family shouldn't have recovered from that. I, I, I know that you were lost. I, 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 I know that you were stuck in this. But God, is anybody grateful that God has intervened into your story and you can praise him for a but God moment in your life. You shouldn't be where you are today, but the grace and the power and the love of God had something else to say. But God, but God, I'm grateful that God interrupted me. But God, and right, that's a cool idea. Like we love that, right? Yes, amen, hallelujah, but God, I love it, yes. But what are, we, what are we doing about it? What, what are we doing with the fact that he has saved us for life, for, for living? Right? We've, it means nothing if we don't actually take it in and, and absorb it and let it transform our lives. You see, if we were dead, nothing works. Can we all agree on that? Yes, right? Nothing is working. You're not talking. You're not moving. Right? Nothing works. There's a weekend at Bernie's reference somewhere couldn't find it, but it's, it's in there somewhere. But, right, nothing works. We're dead. So if we've been raised to life or if we've been given new life in Jesus because of God, that means everything works again. You tracking with me? Everything works again for God. All of our body, all of our parts have a new purpose, have a new meaning because they've been raised to life through Jesus. So that means our, our, our eyes, they don't exist to see people and, and judge them and, and hate them, or they don't exist to, to look at ourselves and, and, and feel bad and feel pity and, and hate what we see. They exist to see people as children of God and see ourselves as that way too, see people as, as people to love. Our hands don't exist to, to, to do evil things or to hurt people. Our hands exist uh, to, to serve others, to heal, to do as Jesus did, to comfort people. 
Our legs don't exist to, to just follow the course of the world and, 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 and do whatever everybody else is doing. Right? Our legs exist to follow God alone and lead others in the process to walk the course that he has set out for us. Our mind exists to, to, to think of creative and, and, and genius ways to impact the world for God's sake. Our, our voice exists to speak life and encouragement into other people. Every part of us exists now because of and for God. It's like an endorsement, like an endorsement in sports, right? You know, uh, anybody rocking like some LeBrons or some Jordans in here this weekend? Anybody got those on, right? That's an endorsement. A player has a deal with a brand, and they represent each other, right? The player represents that brand. They get their own shoe, all this stuff, right? We represent God through the life that we've been given because of Jesus going to the cross. We now live in a way that is to point others back to him. And the cool thing about endorsements is that both sides profit. Both sides profit. The player gets their own shoe. They've got this, this cool representation, right? They get, to, they get to attach themselves with a brand. And the brand gets this cool player, right? They get the star player to represent them on the court or on the field or whatever. And it's the same with us. We benefit because we've been given life. We've been given another shot. We've been given a second chance at living. And and God is getting all the glory. He's getting all the praise. He's the one who gets everything in return. And we're just called to live like we've been saved. We exist because of and for God. As a representation, every part of us, we've been saved for God life. And that's nice, right? And that sounds good, but I think so often we wonder, okay, well, well, what do we have to do, right? What do we do about this? Which leads into our third and and final point is saved by grace. Saved by grace. We're going to pick up in Ephesians 2, picking back up in verse 8. It says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for by grace you've been saved. I think so many of us have a hard time actually swallowing that truth or accepting that fact that it's only by grace, that it's nothing that we've done, it is only by grace that we have been saved. And I think it's a part of our culture. I think our culture has taught us to believe that. Right? That's how we succeed in life. That's how we succeed in our lives is by getting to the top, by doing all this stuff. Right? And so in doing that, we set up a ladder. Right? We've got this ladder for our lives, and, and, and we set it up, each of us, we set up this, this ladder for our lives, to represent our lives. And, and we set it up, and maybe it starts in college. Right? We get into the school, and, and we've we got to get the good grades. Right? Then we've got to get the spouse. Right? Then we've got to get the job. Then we get two kids, boy and a girl. Then we get the house. Then we move up. Then we're getting money. Then we're making more money. Then we can get the bigger house. Right? Then we can pay for our kids' college. And we're doing all this stuff. Right? And, and, and we've got these goals. We've got these plans. And, and we're building ourselves up. Right? This is the culture we live in. It's a fill your resume, independent, get to the top, push everybody out of the way, big flex world. That's the culture that we live in. And we've adapted that mindset of the culture of succeeding in life, in the world, 
And we believe that we've got to do the same thing when it comes to God. We believe that we've got to do all this stuff to earn his love or to earn his grace or to, to earn anything about God. It's, it comes from our culture. We've, we've adapted this mindset, and so many of us have what I call a ladder theology. What we believe about God is that we have got to do this and this and this to earn whatever it is that he has for us. And here's what happens. Either, boom, we get to the top, or bang, we fall, and we fail, and we fall short, all the while exhausting ourselves, climbing this ladder to get ourselves to God. And what this does is it creates two, two, two mindsets. It either creates selfishness, pride, arrogance, because we believe, hey, I, I got here on my own, all me, right? I got to the top, right? Whatever. I don't need nobody else, right? And, and we got here, okay? That's what, that's what we're told to do. Get to the top. Got to get to the top. And it creates arrogance. It creates pride. Hey, I did this on my own. Or... It creates shame because one slip up, one mess up, we fall short just once. Now we feel terrible. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like, man, man, I messed up. Man, I'm, man, I'm imperfect. Man, I'm, I'm terrible. I suck, man, whatever, you know. See, we've confused this ladder for our way to get to God. But thank God that he does not deal in ladders. He doesn't deal in ladders, in the things that we can do, in the things that we've done for ourselves. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you were. It only matters how good Jesus was. He doesn't deal in ladders. He deals in the cross. And the cross of Jesus speaks a better word over your life. The ladder says you weren't good enough. The cross says Jesus was. The ladder says it'll never end. You gotta keep doing this. But the cross of Jesus Christ says it is finished. I did it. The ladder says you're not enough. Jesus said I was enough. The ladder says you gotta do this. You gotta do this. The cross of Jesus says you're loved. It says you're called. It says you don't gotta worry about what you've done or how you've messed up because I did it for you. I took up the cross. I sacrificed my son for you. The cross has spoken over the ladder of our lives. So some of us need to get off the ladder. It's time to get off and throw out the ladder. And in doing so, when we step off, he comes down and he meets us here. And he says, I got better plans for you. I got, I got a better life. It's not about your works. It's about my grace. And some of us think that, that, that grace is a reward for our works. When in reality, works is a response to the grace of God. We live according to and by the grace and love and unconditional love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're saved by. So get off the ladder. Stop. He's already spoken. Let go of the ladder theology. And instead, cling to the cross. We don't have to earn God's love. He chose you before you were born. 
knit you together in your mother's womb with intention and with purpose and with thoughtfulness. And he loved you before you ever did a thing. The cross has the final say. And the cross of Jesus Christ says you are loved and that you're alive. That you've been given life in Jesus' name by the grace of God. And we walk in that unearned, undeserving merit and favor that he has gifted us and showered us with daily. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. And he is lavishing out the gift of grace upon each of us. Martin Luther once said that we receive grace at no cost or labor on our part, but not without cost and labor on the part of Jesus. Not without cost and labor on the part of Jesus. He went through it all. He said, hey, I'll go to the cross. I'll take the pain. I'll take the suffering so that you can be made alive. In a moment, we're going to go into a time of communion. And we, we take communion every single week here. And what's going to happen is the, 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 the team is going to pass the trays, and there will be two cups, a double cup, and one will be uh, bread, which represents Christ's body that was broken on that cross for you and I. And that other cup is, is of juice, and that represents Christ's blood that was shed and, and poured out for you. And for me. And we do this every week so that we can celebrate, so that we can declare the love of Jesus Christ and the life that we've been given because of him, because of his sacrifice on the cross. He went to the cross and three days later rose from the dead, offering us new life in him. This is why we do this every week. Because we want to praise him for how great and how good and how loving he is. You want to be battle ready? We're talking about being battle ready? It starts right here. It starts with submitting ourselves, saying, hey, not my will, but yours. Hey, I had some other plans. Hey, I was headed in a different direction, but God, you take over. God, God, God I'm submitting everything I got to you. Next weekend is our baptism weekend. And it's going to be a powerful weekend as we celebrate people who are ready to step in to communion, to fellowship, to relationship with God and say yes to Jesus for the first time. And some of you, it's time. It's time for you to stop going the course of the world. It's time for you to, to, to stop living dead. It's time for you to stop climbing the ladder. It's time to get off and say, hey God, I need you. I'm nothing without you and your love is the only thing that I need and I'm done living for myself. I'm done living for the world. God, I'm saying yes to you. You're enough. You're all I need. The cross has already spoken. 
So to those of you who, who, who are on the edge thinking about it, it's time. Let's go. Let's do it. Say yes to Jesus. You ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to figure it out. You ain't got to know where you're going. You just step in and say, hey, I'm ready. And God says, I'll meet you there. And we'll do the rest together. You can't win a battle if you're dead. It's true. So let's stop living like it. And start living like we've been saved, like we've been set free. And like we've got a Father in heaven who loves us. Not for anything we've done, but for everything his son did. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into our time of communion. Heavenly Father God, we recognize that we are so unworthy. (laughs) Yet still you love us. God, we recognize that there is nothing that we could ever do to earn your love. But God, there's also nothing that we could ever do to lose it. God, you love us in spite of anything we've done. God, we, we, we were dead in ourselves. We were dead in our sin. But God, you made a way. And so many of us have a hard time living like that. So God, would you daily remind us of your love for us? Would you fill us with your spirit, with your power, with your love, with your grace, with your mercy? And God, would you remind us that you love us and that you saved us You saved us from death. You saved us for life. And may we truly live in that. May we love others and live like you. Point people to you in the process. And God, you've saved us by grace. God, you are worthy of our praise. And that is what we give you this weekend, God. We love you. And we thank you for your amazing grace. That saved a wretch like me. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.